Hello and welcome to Makai Talk Radio, a podcast where we drop 100 garos on a deserted island. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Rob. <laughs> Man, now that we're not using, like, our online names, it feels uh-huh. like less of a process. Like, I actually didn't know how to start the uh, introduction. Yeah. Because I was like, well, I'm not calling myself Dr. Octavarium, also known as Rob anymore. <laughs> I guess that's just going to be, like, the deep lore now. The deepest lore. Because it's been a while since we recorded. Yeah. Now that we're back at this, I am feeling a little bit nostalgic. Remember that, like, very first episode we recorded? Like, uh-huh. two inter- iterations of this podcast back. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that episode. <laughs> I, w- I hope it doesn't exist anymore. Hopefully not. Seeing as how our Toku-centric podcast is called Mikai Talk Radio, we figure it is about time to talk something related to Garo. <laughs> and that brings us to Garo versus Road. Uh, we just we literally just finished episode 9, yeah. uh, titled Prologue. And I gotta say, the longer I watch this show, the happier I am with it. Because, yeah, at first it seems very un-Garo. <laughs> This is like, they're just really taking advantage of the fact that people really like Fortnite yeah. and Apex. And I guess PUBG. Remember when PUBG was a thing? I remember when it was a thing. I miss PUBG. Damn, I remember that time you got stuck in gay baby jail. Those were the good old days. <laughs> Let's actually kind of break this down for people who haven't seen uh, Garo vs. Road. Um, it is a confirmed AU Garo series, so you don't have to worry about, like, Malore or anything like that. <laughs> um, just kind of starts off with people getting Sword Art onlineed into what's clearly some kind of Makai realm. And they're just told, yo, there's a hundred of you, we only need fifty. Have fun. <laughs> Action in the series. Um, how do you feel about it, Jimmy? Uh, pretty good. Like... As it goes on. <laughs> yeah, his, like, first episode, like, we got a couple cool fights, like, when the first character, like, when the main character straight up kills a dude and doesn't realize it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it gets really good around, like, ep- what was it, episode six? Yeah, episode six. It's like, <laughs> there's 18 of you in a room, we only need eight. <laughs> Which, while I'm saying that, I guess we can bring that up as kind of a gripe, where, like, Garo's typically, like, kind of a cool anthology-type series. Yeah. Whereas this is just every episode is, this is the number of you there are. We need this many. We need this many. <laughs> just just die until there's that many. <laughs> Except for the six people that are in the opening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, okay, so what was it, like, episode seven or eight, when, like, like here's the demon sword? Uh-huh. And... There's, like, all these characters we've been focusing on and got backstories for. And then there's the dude in the suit and the dude with the beard. And we're just like, (laughs) I wonder who's going to die. They'd never kill Suit Katana Man. I mean, rip Suit Katana Man. Maybe if he was, like, a little less homophobic, he wouldn't have died as hard as he would. (laughs) Episode 6, though, was, like, a big turning point for the series because, like, the fights were really intense. Yeah. Like, you had the one dude who just beat someone down to the ground, got on top of them, punched them so hard they went out of bounds, and then got swooped by a horror. <laughs> it's 
like, how do you win a fight so hard you lose? <laughs> I feel like this is actually having a lot of fun with Garo lore, though. Um, I was worried because they were taking a more, like, modernistic approach. They would kind of throw certain things out the window and mm-hmm. just be like, this is a horror, this is Garo, we're going to do whatever we want as long as we keep these names. Sort of like Ghost Stories or Garo the Anime Season 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I will compare those two with how hard they train wreck. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, like, with Prologue, I mean, I kind of got everything I wanted out of this show when I saw, like, negative karma flowing into a Garo armor <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> after a hundred people are told to kill each other. I know, like, we have, like, uh, Kamen Rider, Ultraman, different things like that to kind of, like, look back on to see, like, what directions Garo can kind of go in. Um, what do you think actually works better for Garo as a franchise? Like, the Kamen Rider approach where you sort of have common motifs and themes and things like that, and they're sort of connected by, like, the name and the franchise and, like, certain, like, feelings of the series. Or do you think it better in, like, an Ultraman approach where, like, you know, if Garo has a long future, like, maybe kind of disconnecting the series a bit so you can let other people work on it while keeping, like, a main, like, solid Bible to the series almost? Mm-hmm. Or, like, everything kind of follows a central lore? What, what, what do you feel like would be less constricting on this kind of series? Probably kind of the Ultraman way. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like they've done that a bit, and we kind of seen how the anime works with that. Mm-hmm. Like, Van, like another. <laughs> there's so many Garo series that kind of like ended since we haven't been able to like actually record. Like, Vanishing Line was pretty good, and I feel like that was like a super faithful to Garo lore, but also so different than yeah. anything else. Yeah, I think that style just works better for Garo, where it can. It can take breaks, it can go away for a bit and come back and... Yeah, as long as, like, Garo is still ultimately Garo, uh-huh. we got this. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're talking about Versus Road a bit, but I do kind of want to steer us off of that for a second and talk about uh, Garo over the Moonbow, because we recently just got the uh, the subs for that. That was an interesting movie in a lot of respects. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, the first half of the movie is kind of... um. A six out of ten. Yeah, so I think that's that's fair. It was very um, uh, Makai no Hana, uh-huh. <laughs> which uh, man, Rip Makai no Hana. Some of the best standalone episodes, but like wildly inconsistent Makai justice system. Uh-huh. <laughs> but then you get to like the midway point and end of the movie, and you get like one of the most hype fight scenes yeah. <laughs> in the entire franchise. I'm just like, all right, have some fan service. Yep. It's like everything we've always wanted to. Uh-huh. <laughs> Man, the father-son Kamehameha looks like dog shit now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll stand by that to like the end of time. <laughs> but like, okay, so with that movie kind of perfectly wrapping up like Koga's story, which I guess they can go back and do something later on if he ever wants to come back. Yeah. Which they left that kind of open-ended. It kind of wraps up Raiga's story, um, because ultimately, even though Raiga was really cool, I don't care about his story, so (laughs) we could be done there. (laughs) So, like, there's really nothing else to explore in Mainline Garo other than, like, possibly, like, later Descendants, and One Who Shines in the Darkness, hmm, Goldstorm was a thing. It existed. It was, I mean, like... 
Jingo was a cool character. Yeah. And I guess like some of the fights were cool, but even the anthology episodes were kind of weak because I guess they forgot all of the characterization that Rian and Ryuga got in their first season. And they were just like kind of the, these piles of insecurity, which I'm usually okay with like pe- with characters being insecure and like kind of like finding out about themselves and things. But it's another thing to like regress a character. Mm-hmm. Rian was like always pretty sure of herself and where she stood in the world. Yeah. And to just kind of see her get sidelined by like weird we don't want our women characters to be too strong stuff because <laughs> that was what was cool about her in the first season she was pretty confident she shot horrors and she was like she basically had a better head on her shoulders than like any of the other characters yeah she's supposed to be like ryuga's like equal partner but like she kind of just like deferred to him non-stop mm-hmm. but this is this just feels like we're tearing apart different cars. <laughs> but like but like yeah, like oh the point is uh versus road I think is like an interesting direction for Garo to take, but at the end of the day I think it's a direction it actually kinda needs to take. So we have to explore what we can do with this franchise if we want it to survive and move past some of like the storylines that are technically kinda done. Yeah. But uh speaking of um Jenga though and also kind of the darker turn <laughs> Garo series have taken lately. Um man, that Jenga series. <laughs> that Jenga series. Um I'm actually cuz like I've been waiting to hear your take on this series for I want to say since December. <laughs> and yeah, Jenga was a pretty wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know we're a bit late to the party on this, but we had meant to like record about this and then COVID happened (laughs) but I just wanted to bring that up before we move on to our next subject Um, that was we see this mysterious power with Jenga and like I mean like even if you watch the movie right away you don't really have a clear idea of what's going on like is this a prequel is it a sequel spoiler it's a sequel (laughs) but you know this Makai Knight randomly has the power to like seal horrors but without killing the person they're attached to almost as if restoring their souls and spoiler on a year old series um yeah that's not what's happening (laughs) not how that works (laughs) not how that works at all like at first i was actually like really down on the series i'm like man i get that they want to like do stuff but like Uh you can't just like walk back lore that hard (laughs) and then just surprise they didn't yeah like i feel like that actually brought the series together for me like it was a bit chuny and grim dark yeah. to like be like all these characters are like especially like the fighting dude and like his mentor and everything and then just like cutting to them when he turns back into a horror and just straight up eats the dude uh-huh. <laughs> and it's just like man i feel like such a fucking chuny for loving this scene <laughs> I don't know, I, I feel like uh, watching Inoue uh, fight himself was probably one of the highlights of the series. Yeah. Like, I've never seen someone have so much chemistry on screen with themselves. I mean, it makes sense for a decade. Yeah, it does. So while COVID's been going on, um, 
we haven't recorded in a while. A couple mm-hmm. of series have ended, and we've been having fun doing a couple things online and kind of enjoying the free time we could get while making the most of this hellscape that is this year. <laughs> uh, one thing that we've done is I think me and Jimmy separately and together have watched the entirety of Symphogear like three times. Uh, I'm a bit more than that. But yeah. <laughs> what, what what number are you at now? Oh, because you were doing uh, uh, Parker Year too. Yeah. yeah. So I think currently I'm on my A3 watch. Jesus. Uh-huh. Like I do I think it's weird how Symphogear doesn't actually lose the hype. Yeah. Like even if you know things are coming, like it actually just kinda maintains it. Well, like that's where the one or two of the other rewatches comes from, is from rewatching with other people. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, Alright, that's good enough for today, like we'll pick it up next week or tomorrow and then I'm like, Yo, but next episode though <laughs> <laughs> And then I'll watch the next episode. Yeah. I think first watch through and like watch throughs afterwards are very different for how you experience them. Mm-hmm. Um I know I brought this up to you and Steve at one point. But I really do feel like season two is kind of not as great on the like watch through. I feel like in a lot of ways it's the weakest. Because a lot like so much of the season is dedicated to introducing characters that I now already know so well. So it's just kind of like, man, I'm just here for Chris to sing her song. <laughs> and to see Dr. Vare yell randomly in the middle of talking. Uh-huh. Uh, how, how, is, how is that for you? Because like, you're, you're on the 8th watch through. You're basically like a guru at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Honestly, like, season two is probably my favorite season. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, okay, don't get me wrong. It's Uh not like I think season two is bad. Yeah. It's like, you get the Maria Subasa concert, which is super fucking hype. It's pretty hype. Um, You get uh, some of the first, like, Kirika Shirabe uh, fights, which are pretty good. Um, I mean, the second half is really good. There's, like, a chunk, I think, around, like, episode three or four, where I'm just kind of like, man, I need to get to the second half of this season. Yeah, that's fair. I guess, okay, since we are bringing up Symphogear, and then sort of debated about season two a bit, we should probably actually explain what Symphogear is, (laughs) and why it actually belongs on a Toku podcast. Uh Uh-huh. Because... I mean, yeah, it's it's animated Toku. Like, I know, like, Toku is, like, special effects. Yeah. But I think we kind of co-opted the, like, the term to, like, be transforming superheroes in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, like, in that sense, it is very much Toku. And I also think it transcends Magical Girl. I don't even think you could really call it a Magical Girl series. Yeah. I don't... Like, I guess, like, in a broad kind of genre sense you say like it's a magical girl series but it's just as much like a mecha series yeah it's it's honestly closer to Kamen Rider in like a lot of ways yeah and I I I think like trying to shoehorn it into magical girl like almost like disrespects that in some ways especially like a lot of people wouldn't like believe that when you say like okay here's here's the premise of this series Alright, these girls transform. In order to transform, they have to sing, and while they're fighting, they need to continue singing. 
Um, and during all of their fights, they are singing. Uh, voice actresses are actually singing while doing this, so it's like a, a like actual like solid performance each time they have to fight, and they do like enunciations and stuff with their hits, and it feels really dynamic. But like that just sounds like Magical Girl stuff. Yeah. But then like, I think uh, my buddy Pat said it best when describing this series. Uh, we brought up like because there's like a lot of themes and stuff that are like are in line with Gurren Lagann, and. He's like, fuck Gurren Lagann. Symphogear is just Gurren Lagann with bigger sunglasses. <laughs> and I don't think a truer statement has actually yeah. ever been said. <laughs> I don't think he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you really think about it, and like, like Symphogear never gets to the point where they're throwing around galaxies, or mm-hmm. like, but in a lot of ways, because it's not like the universe at stake, it feels like the stakes are bigger. Yeah. And because like... I don't want to get super into anything, so we'll do a deep dive into the series at some point. But, like, let's just say, if you're looking for something to watch, watch Symphogear for the love of God. (laughs) And if you don't believe me, just watch the opening sequence of uh, the first episode of Season Uh 4. And if that doesn't (laughs) sell you on the series, I don't even know why you're watching Toku. (laughs) You're clearly not in this for the same reasons I am. Also... It's one of the reasons why season four is clearly the best season. I will fight you on this, Jimmy. Damn. We'll just have to wait for that deep dive. Me and Jimmy's friendship will be ended on that episode. <laughs> so yeah, on the subject of like projects while COVID was happening, Jimmy, you started going through your uh, horror backlog again, right? Yeah. So I'm not sure when it happened, but I guess I became a fan of horror at some point, and I don't know when. <laughs> So just like there was just one day where it's just like there's a bunch of Japanese horror movies that I have yet to see that I want to see. Okay. And because I downloaded and watched the first Grudge movie a while ago and I saw someone posting online. They're like, yeah, the Grudge 2 is pretty cool. So I downloaded the Grudge 2 (laughs) and then I find that like, oh, that's not actually like the Grudge isn't actually the first Grudge movie. What the hell? Yeah, it was like a there was a direct like a V cinema like direct to DVD. Oh, okay. Movie. So then it's like, all right, well, I gotta watch that. And it's like, well, I never watched the original Japanese Ring before, so I'll watch that. And it's like, yo, that director did this other movie called Dark Water, so I'll watch that. <laughs> and then it just kind of spiraled from there for a couple other movies. Uh, two follow-up questions. One, mm-hmm. um, have you seen Neroi yet? Yeah. Okay, cool. Just want to make sure we're on the same page there. Uh-huh. Um, question two. Now, did you realize you were into horror movies before or after the two St. Patrick's Days where we just marathon <laughs> leprechaun movies in my living room? I think that's when, that's when it started. That's that was the spark. That was the spark. Leprechaun. <laughs> I mean, like, okay. For real... How do you watch Leprechaun back to the hood and not just instantly fall in love with the genre? Uh-huh. Like, oh, another one that we watched was, uh, what was it? Wishmaster? Oh my god, I love Wishmaster yeah. so fucking much. <laughs> like, I think, I, I honestly think one of the things that sold you on Wishmaster was then the security guard was just like, if you want to go through this, you're going to have to get through me. 
And he's like, do you wish it? He's like, yeah, I wish I could see you do it. <laughs> and then he turns the dude into a door and walks through him. <laughs> it's a pretty strong movie. Yeah. Like, honestly, the whole Wishmaster franchise is, like, next level with stuff, stuff like that. Uh-huh. Technically not good movies by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. I think the first one you could count as a good movie. Yeah. But there's one where he, the, the, the genie ends up in jail. <laughs> and, like, his cellmate's like, man, I wish I could see my lawyer fuck himself. <laughs> and he's like, okay, wish granted. And then his lawyer shows up and he's like, okay... I finally found the evidence. I can get you acquitted and get you out of jail within the week. And he's like, oh man, for real? He's like, yeah. And then he just starts going, ah, ah. And then he fucks himself to death. (laughs) And I'm like, man, in what world did any director think this was a good idea? Thank you for making this movie. (laughs) So, you've been doing a deep deep dive in horror. And that actually resulted in you showing us a really fun movie. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah, I tried to say as little as possible when I showed you guys one cut of the dead. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, that really worked. Mm-hmm. Because looking at it, I mean, okay, so at this point, if you're interested in one cut of the dead, um, maybe not listen after this point. Kind of skip to, to towards the end. Yeah. Because uh, we are going to kind of spoil some of like the big twist here. This movie starts off as like a 30 minute short that you think is just one continuous cut of people making a zombie movie getting hit by zombies. And it's like this really like cool, gritty, amateurish like performance. And it's like, man, there's some like funny choices they're making here. But like, it's kind of cool to see it all come together. Yeah. And like you get to like the end and like. Like, I, I know, like, at a certain point, like, I was actually transfixed by everything that was going on. And I get to the final shot, I'm like, oh my god, that was all one cut. That uh-huh. was amazing. <laughs> and then I just hear Jimmy in his most Jimmy voice going, okay, and now the real movie begins. <laughs> and then we get hit with a one month before. <laughs> and it's basically just this TV company starting a zombie channel telling this guy... He has one month to shoot a movie that's going to be live broadcasted. (laughs) That's just one cut. Just one cut. Live. (laughs) And the movie just ends up being the clusterfuck that is bringing this together. (laughs) The movie turns from, like, horror that's kind of funny because of of how cheesy it is Mm -hmm. to just straight comedy. Yeah. (laughs) And I guess it also, like, in... If, like, you've ever done stage production, it's also horror. Because <laughs> everything that can go wrong does go wrong. You see this thing catching fire. <laughs> and just see how it was barely held together. Like, the the coolest shot of, like, the entire, uh, of the entire, like, 30-minute one cut is literally done by a team of people getting into a human pyramid and just bringing up this camera uh-huh. <laughs> and holding it there with no one falling. Like, it's honestly kind of an inspiring movie because it just shows, like, you know, if you just like, work together and, like, give your all to something, like, no matter what, like, you can make this happen. Uh-huh. And also, like, studying self-defense at home is, <laughs> is apparently the strat. It's a good strat. I honestly think one of my favorite details about it, though, is, like, whenever the, uh... 
the one chick who was supposed to be playing like the heroine mm-hmm. was like, yeah, like I don't mind getting fake vomited on, but like my company doesn't like it. Yeah. So we can't do it. And the director's like, okay, I guess. And then the guy who was supposed to like do that scene and like after it got cut, like he got super drunk and then actually vomited on her. <laughs> And I'm just like, man, that reaction in, like, the original, like, shot uh-huh. of it makes way more sense now. Doing the rewatch on that movie is really fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. Because, like, you kind of, like, get to see, like, oh, that's where that went wrong. Uh-huh. Or, like, that really awkward, like, there was, like, two really awkward conversation moments. Like, man, I can't tell if this is, like, realistically awkward or if uh-huh. this, like, this is, like, a weird choice. <laughs> And now we know why. <laughs> and now you know why. Honestly, a solid pick. Yeah. I mean, with the movies I watched, it was like that or like two-hour depressing slow burns. <laughs> what about a uh, three-hour what-the-fuck-am-I-watching burns? <laughs> so I think uh, since the last time we recorded, we also watched um, Midsummer. Uh-huh. And... Now that you've had some time away from it, yeah, to like kind of sit on it and uh-huh. let it boil a bit, what do you think about Midsummer? Uh, I'm still not a huge fan, mm-hmm. but we're now far enough removed to where thinking about the movie, I don't hate it more. Okay, because <laughs> like it's one of those things where like man, like the further away I get from the movie, the more I'm kind of like okay on it. Yeah, because like. I feel like the horror in that movie was supposed to be really, like, interpersonal in a lot of ways. And I think because of the director's last movie, I was expecting something slightly different. And that colored my first watch through of it. Uh-huh. So, keeping that in mind and knowing that it's completely different, <laughs> I still want to get you to watch his first movie. Yeah, no, that that's fair. Okay. Alright, I got you on recording. This was an ambush. <laughs> that was the entire goal of the episode. Also, we can technically talk about horror movies on here, because horror movies are special effects, and that's also toku. Yeah, that's fair. We are we are just hijacking this word in any direction we want it to go in. This is a podcast about heroes, villains, and special effects. And I, I guess wrestling, if we ever start watching wrestling again, because yeah. I, I shit you not, I've tested this theory. If I show someone Kamen Rider and they tell me they don't like it, and I go, well, did you like wrestling growing up? They will always say no. <laughs> it's not even a Power Rangers thing. It's always a wrestling it's thing. It's always a wrestling thing. Like, I feel like people could have liked Power Rangers because they were kids. It could have caught their imaginations at the time. Yeah. But, like, you don't watch wrestling when you're five. You watch wrestling when you're, like, you're eight and ten. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, you kind of make a conscious decision to watch that. Like, that's not on at the kids' time. That's, yeah. that's on, like... I could be watching anything right now, but I'm going to watch wrestling. And the fact that that's a choice, I think, has something to do with the correlation between toku and wrestling. Yeah, I could see that. This is my whole master theory. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense thinking about it, considering I was never a huge Power Rangers fan, but I did watch wrestling. Yep. It was like, okay, let's be real, okay? I'm going to make a lot of enemies here. <laughs> All right. But I'm going to start with Beetleborgs. Uh-huh. All right. I went back and I watched Beetleborgs, like, I think me and you did, <laughs> at least, like, an episode. Yeah. And it was god-awful. Yeah. Why did I remember that being so good? Uh, it, I think it was just, like, 99% the theme song. 
You know what? Yeah, you're right. I don't remember the weird Elvis genie being as cringy as it was. Uh-huh. But, like, going back, man, guys, I know the cast is all cool, and they're always, like, with the fandom and everything, but, like, Mighty Morphin was just not as good as you remember. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. This, this, is, this is the moment I mean, where we lose half of our listeners. To be fair, I think the Power Rangers fans... Probably don't listen to... Probably don't. Or the ones who do are the ones who think that, like, the Disney seasons are the best ones. Yeah. Which, they are. Saban doesn't know what they're doing. Which is why I'm kind of glad they sold to Hasbro. Uh-huh. Which, like, the rumors of them doing, like, completely original seasons of Power Rangers and kind of going off on their own, like, I kind of like that idea. Yeah. Because that means I don't have to worry about them ruining Tokyuger. <laughs> Bring it to America, cowards. Don't even change anything. Just... And just just get an American cast that knows how to act. Or I say American. Get a what was it New Zealand where they record all the Power Rangers? Uh, pretty much, I think so. All right, get a New Zealand cast <laughs> that can actually act and just re-record the whole thing scene for scene. <laughs> like honestly, that's just how you have to do Tokyo because it is flawless. <laughs> just get your scripts from the fan subs. Exactly. That's all you have to do. Just watch the show, have the fan subs, you're golden. <laughs> but what was my point again? Oh yeah, Toku. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I honestly don't think, like, I think a lot of Toku fans go back to Power Rangers because they're just hungry for more Toku. Mm-hmm. And I can see it being more accessible to some people because, uh, for some reason, people don't like subtitles. Oh, yeah. And they're willing to, like, watch, like, older common writers and things like that, like, Kiss Asian. But, like, the fact that you don't have to, like, stream, I think, helps Power Rangers a bit for them. Mm-hmm. And maybe because they have, like, a bit more, like... I feel like Power Rangers fans have a bit more ownership of their series in a lot of ways. Like, they're able to, like... Because, like, it's all small-time actors who a lot of times are, like, brand new they're like really interactive with their fans yeah and i feel like that goes a long way for them yeah this is this is uh this is all part of like my whole toku conspiracy <laughs> like how do you get someone into toku you don't start with toku you just show them some cool uh fights on pro wrestling gorilla um or you know what start with start with the hangover fight um that they had what was it uh was it ricochet i think so yeah start with ricochet's hangover match you show them something ridiculous like that, and like you kind of know like right away, like, okay, can they like the goofy stuff? <laughs> Alright, so I knew I'd be spending a lot of time at home before the whole thing started, so I ended up kind of getting back into Warhammer again. <laughs> I did see that, yeah. Uh-huh, which was pretty fun because the new additions of both 40k and... Uh, Age of Sigmar, which is their replacement for the fantasy setting, mm-hmm. are actually kind of cool. But like, so like Age of Sigmar was the they had the fantasy battle setting, which was the old lore that everyone knows and loves. And then they're like, we need to kill this to sell new models. So they blew up the game. They released a new game. That is the most Games Workshop thing <laughs> I've ever fucking heard. Yeah, at this time, people were taking bets on how long Games Workshop would be alive for. <laughs> but they blew up the game they released a new game uh the new game had some problems like not really having rules 
So I would like to just take an aside here, just uh-huh. like a quick anecdote. Um, during this time that all this is happening, yeah. uh, I work at a comic slash card shop. We do a lot of games and stuff. And we had canceled our Games Workshop like uh, contract years ago at this point. Because like, Warhammer just wasn't selling here. And during this time, we were getting calls almost nonstop from them. <laughs> they would just send us paints, figures, supplies, constantly. It's like, just give these out to people who are interested for free. Build up a base so you could, the guys could start ordering from us again. <laughs> so, yeah. So, when people were taking bets to see yeah. if they were, like, going to close that, this is, like, actually like, yeah. insider, like, yeah, they were not in a good way. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, go. yeah, at some point, they kind of, like, the management changed and the company kind of got a lot different. Mm-hmm. So the second edition Age of Sigmar, which added some actually cool things, and it's still not as good as the old fantasy battle setting and lore, but it's what we got for now, and the models are at least kind of cool. <laughs> also, very, um, very Games Workshop. Yeah, it's what we have for now. <laughs> it's what we got for now. Then. They're actually kind of reviving the old lore just because of how popular the PC Total War Warhammer is. Makes sense. Yeah. And. Isn't it the game that, like, Henry Cavill just, like, plays nonstop, too? Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they actually named a. One of the factions you can be in the game starts with a unit, like, a special agent dude that's just named Cavill. Oh, nice. Yeah. But yeah, during that time, I just bought some models, bought some paints. Realize that I'm cursed into only liking Games Workshop paints. Like, I bought three different brands because it's like, I don't want to buy Games Workshop brand paints. Because the bottles that they use kind of suck. Yeah. And they're kind of more expensive. And then it's just like, I'll try this company. I don't like how the paint looks. Try this company. I don't like how the paint looks. Didn't you like Vallejo back in the day? Um, Yeah, Vallejo I think is... One of the good ones. Okay. But I just really like the Games Workshop paint, even though it's in, like, less optimal bottles. Are you remembering remembering to thin your paints? Yeah. Okay. Anytime someone comes into the store and starts asking about paints and, like, mm-hmm. what they need to do, I always tell them to thin their paints no matter what. Yeah. And then show them that video. <laughs> yeah, that's a specific thing that I did, specifically because the last time I played or got Warhammer models was super long ago i think i was was it fifth edition chaos space marines maybe either way those models that was before i knew about fitting your paints (laughs) so i tried not to make the same mistake again we grow as people yeah (laughs) we really do okay so this has been makai talk radio you can follow us at zeropointsarticulated.com you can send us an email at zeropointsarticulated at gmail.com. We're on Spotify, iTunes, like pretty much wherever you can get podcasts now, I think. Technology is amazing that way. Yeah. So yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Yeah. Uh, we're planning on being a bit more regular. Um, I believe Jimmy is getting all of his teeth removed, so we won't be available next week. <laughs> Maybe not next week. Although, I don't know, maybe next week. Maybe. But it depends. 
It depends on how you're doing without all your teeth. Yeah. Okay. But either way, it'll be more frequent because... COVID is... Well, it's not over. That's yeah. Not, that's not how... That's not how it do, but... It's less... No. We're allowed to see each other again. Yeah. We can hang out and record in person. And... I want to not be rusty at recording Yeah,